Okay, welcome back to the Jules' Life Podcast. This is episode 12. I'm sorry for the background noise. I'm coming to you live as I walk outside for a recovery day. So, if you're having a lot of background or feedback, it has nothing to do with your equipment. It's simply just because I'm walking outside and there's a lot of wind blowing in the speaker. Let's get started. All right, now, two topics we're going to go over today. The Conor McGregor-Dustin Poirier fight and finding the good in the bad, all right? So first things first, we'll go with the Conor McGregor fight. Uh, I've had a few people comment on a couple of my posts. I've had a few people stake their claims on certain things. And so since this is my podcast and it's all about my life, I'm going to give you my opinion. So here we go. One, did the fight end the way I want it to? Uh, well, that's a yes and no question, and it's a yes and no answer, so the answer is yes and no. Yes, because the person I wanted to win won, and no, because he didn't win exactly the way I wish it would have happened. I wish it would have been a little bit more as a clear-cut situation for as like his Connor's ankle not breaking in the process. But I'm not blinded by the facts. I'm not blinded by some of these people who are such huge McGregor fans that they just simply just refuse to accept the fact that that he really lost. All right. Um, We've seen fights before go down in the history books as losses or sometimes even no contest due to an injury. And in this case... That wasn't the situation. It went down as a loss. It was not a no contest. From start to finish, Connor didn't do shit. And if you go back and listen to my previous podcast, I state very, very clearly on how I felt with the first fight and how it went. Dustin was a young fighter and he was not, should I say, extremely seasoned, yet... I still feel that the fight should have went his way. It should have been called at least a no contest because of the illegal hits. And if you go back and watch many other of Connor's fights leading up to this fight, I notice a fucking pattern that I didn't talk about in the last podcast. This motherfucker keeps hitting people in the back of the head when they go down. So either way, Back to the trilogy, the fight ended clearly in the victory of Dustin Poirier. I don't care if you think I'm saying that because he's my friend or because that's the person I want to win. It is clear Conor McGregor got his ass handed to him. That is just the way it is. And, you know, in defeat, he acted like a complete, utter shit face. So... With that regard, it's quite, quite, quite obvious. He knows he got his ass handed to him because someone who acts like that does not does not feel otherwise. All right, he was embarrassed, and his true character came out. And out of embarrassment, he chose to make a spectacle out of it instead of just standing up like a man and accepting defeat. 
There's a lot of many feelings that go through a fighter's head when they lose. I know, I've been there. Uh, But I've never once wanted to demonize or discredit my fighter or attack their family. I don't do, I never did anything like that, you know? And uh, it just shows you not just the type of character that Connor portrayed, but it showed you the the self-doubt I think he has within himself in his own career. Conor McGregor is a good fighter. You cannot be where he's at not being good. But I always felt that he was a lucky fighter. Besides the Diaz fights, it never really seemed like he truly was this full, rounded fighter that kind of had his shit together unstoppable you know like Kahib or Dustin or some of these other guys Jose Aldo there at the top and speaking of Jose Aldo there ain't no fucking way he would have beat Jose if he wouldn't have caught him with that shot now at the same time everybody has a puncher's chance and he hit him first and he hit him hard and he dropped him and he won fair and square absolutely No doubt. But if he wouldn't have landed that, there is no way he would have beat Jose any other way. And everybody else knew that because Jose Aldo is a complete fighter. You know? And I don't care how long of a layoff he had. Connor was not a complete fighter. And his game was exposed. And Dustin clearly took advantage of it I mean it's it's pretty obvious okay you know there's no tactics I you can say what you want I I stated a couple of things in my first podcast about how I felt about him not training a certain way um, him being away from the game for a certain period of time the style of the game on how it's changed it's just it's just simple facts you know Michael Jordan is not gonna play the same at the end as he did in the beginning, in the middle, it's just the way it is. You can call people phenoms all you want. At some point, they all fall off. Chuck Liddell wasn't an extremely well-rounded fighter. He was an extremely well-rounded, timed fighter for counter-striking. And eventually, we, we all begin to fall apart, you know? And it begins to kind of catch up. Hell, shit, I don't know. The only person that might have been who actually stood the test of time was probably Randy Couture because that son of a bitch was already old before he won everything, you know? So props to Randy and props to Dustin Poirier. They won fair and square straight up. Do I feel that it's going to be an awesome closeout for the fourth fight? I don't. I don't think it's even worth Dustin's time, okay? So a lot of people have compared Conor McGregor actually to like a Mike Tyson because of the draw because of his mouth and that is true that is absolutely true because Mike Tyson ran his mouth after certain fights but periodically I'm sorry periodically but throughout the course of his career he became known and a draw because of his dominant status where Conor McGregor has not only done that in the past but his, 
his antics outside the ring and his flamboyancy and now with social media allows him to drive himself and promote himself at another level that we've never seen before. And so what happens is you will probably still see a pretty big draw because of people who are still commenting on posts and and other and my podcast about Dustin about making excuses for him, you know. So what's going to happen is you're still going to see some pretty big draws by Connor, even if he continues to lose. I mean, the man's got a lot of losses on his record now. He's on the tail end. I think he's over. I think he's finished. You know, but he's still going to have a lot of draws. And with that drawing power, he's still going to make a lot of money. And that's going to be very good for other fighters. But at this point, I just think it's worthless. I think Dustin has proved this point. You know, he's finished him off. I don't think really Connor's going to be much of a comeback. But if he does, I don't see it's anything to be reckoned with. I mean, Dustin has clearly, like, just destroyed the competition the person who's got the interim belt right now is basically his last step to success he took the Connor fight because it's more money he's already won the belt it's not like he had to fight the guy that beat him who beat everybody so all he's got to do now is run in gonna be a great fight still think he has the advantage that's not what this podcast is about but I still think he can easily win that belt. I take that back, no disrespect. I mean, he doesn't, he's not going to win it easily, but I think he definitely has the advantage to win the belt. And with that, maybe make a title defense once or twice, and then he can retire. Uh, people don't understand how long Dustin Poirier has been fighting. He's taken a lot of hits. And I think as time goes on, 10 years from now, it will be the first time that people start to give him recognition. You know, Dustin has kind of been that under the radar guy. He hasn't been extremely loved or liked. Um, not really sure why. And he hasn't been hated. He's just kind of been kind of almost forgotten by. But you can't forget him. You can't give him a, uh, uh, you can't give him a pass because he keeps winning. So they have to let him there. And now as he's finally starting to get the recognition and the draw, he's towards the end of his own career. And I think he's going to hang it up. He's finally got money in his pocket. They've finally given him his payday, his dues. Not as much as they should have in the past. But he'll have his money in his pockets to, to fulfill his, his life with his family. And he'll walk out with his head on straight. Which is important because now with CTE, with things I suffer myself, which will be coming on another podcast, those things are real. And they do show up later on in life. And it is something that he can walk away ready with his head on straight his pockets full and live a good strong family life in a positive way and not crippled and beat up and suffering from head trauma I don't feel that it's necessary for him to fight Connor again I think it's just kind of pointless it does nothing except for giving Connor the advantage and at that point he's already fought the man twice you know he beat him straight up both times I mean I don't know what else you want to say what else you want to see, you know? So that's my take on that. Of course, I could keep talking forever. I don't have my bullet points in front of me, so I'm just going to begin to keep on rambling because I'm walking outside for recovery day. So that's that. All right. On to the next topic. All right. Find the good in the bad. 
you're always going to come up with some issues in life. There's always going to be something. This is something I've been struggling with myself for some time now. I've had a lot of good hardcore training partners for the past couple of years where we've just kind of all gone our separate ways. Not as far as in arguments or anything like that, just life eventually catches up. I'm 43 years old. I just had my third child. I have a, a daughter just over one years old. With COVID, it has given us a lot more time together as a family, but at the same time, has taken a lot of training away from me. It has been more difficult for me to train. I have been lucky enough to compete in some very big tournaments, had some pretty good wins, had some pretty good losses. Frustrating for someone like me who's very competition driven to always get better, to always be the best I can possibly be, be the best period, be the best in the gym, be the best for my students, be the best for myself, the best for my family, best example. And I'm human like everybody else. So of course, when I see my, my training partners begin to move on themselves, you know, new jobs, new cities. One guy's moved very, very far away. Another one's moved very, very far away recently. And the other one has actually opened his own school. I'm very happy for all of them. I miss them dearly. I still get to train with one of them and we actually competed recently in the same division. But I just don't have those grinders with me anymore. And I do have some of the best guys still left around in the gym, but our schedules don't always match up. And so it's just very, very difficult. And so I get hard on, I get down on myself. And I get depressed like everybody else. And actually depression runs in my family. And when I get low, I get low. Now I'm not like low as in like, I'm gonna kill myself or anything like that. I just, I start to feel sorry for myself and I worry because I know there's a lot of opportunities I miss out on due to family life and situations and, and I'm okay with that. I know that no matter what belt or what medal or who I beat, or even if I was the status of Gordon Ryan or Craig Jones, would it ever take place the happiness of being with my children? I know that and I understand that. But, you know, you strive for perfection and you, as a competitor, you want to be the best you can be. And so when you're not training, it's difficult. And training jiu-jitsu is very, very difficult. It's, uh... It, <sighs> It's actually harder than MMA. MMA was very hard because it's so hard to, to be good at one thing because you have to train so many qualities. You have to focus on your striking. You have to focus on your, your ground game. You know, you have to focus on your awareness of your opponent. You know, uh, you have to focus on the, the, the kicking striking aspect, you know. There's just a lot of things. There's just not a lot of time. Where jujitsu, when I first started, I was like, dude, this is so much easier. I can train the same thing over and over. And it did help. Don't get me wrong. It, it, I was able to excel quickly, but then eventually, you know, there's that learning curve and it stops. And jujitsu is extremely difficult. 
and where I live during a work day, if I got my numbers correctly, it's something like 150,000 or 180,000 people uh, working in our city. And it could be more. But when you look around, you know, on average, the most people we have in a class uh, during the middle of the day, because I train most of the time during the day and I teach during the day because I'm also a full-time firefighter, so I don't have time to train at night. And if I do train at night, it's very not often because back to the family life thing, you know, my wife wants me at home to be with my kids because I'm gone 24 hours and a lot of times they don't see me. And, and I understand that, you know, but man, there's only like 25 people on the mat out of 180,000 people in the city. That says something. You know what that says? That means fucking jujitsu is hard. It's hard, man. It's hard to learn. There's a lot of ego swallowing. There's a lot of pride swallowing. You better check your ego at the door because it's going to get fucked up. And it starts to become a realization at some point that you realize as good as you thought you were or as the, or the track record that you were putting up, it starts to fall apart at some point. That happened to me. Practically, depending on how you look at it, going undefeated for three years from a white belt to a blue belt into purple belt. I should say only being submitted three times, but I didn't get submitted. I just went to sleep. Never would tap. Never, never had to tap. And then eventually, you know, of course, it had to happen like anything. And... You know, when I became a purple belt, the realization that I wasn't really good started to kind of set in. And that's a whole nother day and a whole nother topic. But the point I'm trying to make is when you begin to realize that you're not fucking special and you're just not going to catch on, it becomes very frustrating and that's where I began to start getting down on myself. I recently cut 10 pounds. I've been trying to go into a lower weight class. I walked around off and on heavy, 189, 192. And that normally used to be a really pretty good weight for me. But I wanted to get down a little lower. There's a company called Third Coast Grappling. Got a big open coming up in October. I really wanted to kind of chop myself down to 175 and either stay at 175 or even creep myself back up to 185 at a a stronger and faster pace. Uh, Depending on where my weight landed, I could care less. I just wanted to drop a lot of excess weight. Once I, you know, kind of like one of those things you take a picture of yourself, you don't realize how fucking fat you really are until you are to look at it, you know? And um, I took it a day after eating. Not shitty, just... I don't eat shitty. See, I, I take care of myself year-round. I'm always ready. You know, especially with my age, you can't afford to slack off and eat shit. So what I do is when I'm eating bad, I'm not really eating bad. I'm just not controlling my calorie consumption. And, you know, my my workload's pretty high, so it, it fairly evens itself out. So if I gain any weight, it's at a very, very slow rate. But it, it began to creep up and catch up. And so I decided like, damn, I'm fat. You know, I got to do something about it. And like I said, I wanted to focus on October. So I lost right around 10 pounds. I weighed in 179 pounds and fought at a different division, which was 
phenomenal for me because it was the hardest division in the whole entire tournament. I was looking forward to it. End up hurting and popping my, my vastus medialis in the first match and in, in Nogi and lost, you know. They get blown away, but I definitely lost, you know. And my son was there with me, my youngest son. He's the war child. He's always with me in all my shows. He helps me warm up and stuff. Man, I was, you know, I was getting down on myself, you know, lost in front of my son. It's embarrassing. My knees popped. I can feel it starting to swell already. It's tightening up. I'm having trouble walking. Man, so I started jogging, trying to like get it, stay, keep it loose. I'm rubbing it and rubbing it and massaging it. I get on a scale, I'm 179 pounds, so they agree to pull some shots, talk to other competitors, and they put me in the next division. So I get strapped up for gear, get ready to go. And like I said, I was excited because this was actually the division I wish I was in. I mean, they had, you know, they had the top guys in the tournament over there, hands down. And there were some concerns, you know. And I always say, get comfortable being uncomfortable. Well, listen, I was uncomfortable. Because, I mean, almost to the T, a month back, five weeks back, I had a partially torn tricep and lat from another tournament. I had strained it doing a conditioning ballistic workout. I had warmed up. I was good to go. I started my workouts. I was doing great. I was at the fire station. We got an emergency call. I went to the call. I came back. I knew I wasn't warmed up enough to do any more ballistic training, and I sure enough, I walked myself into it. I did like one or two rounds. I'm like, yeah, I feel good, and sure enough, man, I threw that med ball, and pooh, right away, I felt it. So I babied it for the week. I didn't practice all week. Took the whole week off. I just ran, went to the tournament, did a hitchhiker escape, got out, footlocked the guy, won, but on the way home, oh my dear Lord, the pain. And when I woke up the next morning, I had blood pooling everywhere into my tricep and my back. And the next day it was even worse. So I went have it checked out, this and that. And yeah, sure enough, I mean, it was partially torn. Now it wasn't like completely torn. So to understand, it wasn't rolled up. It wasn't like, you know, knotted and like I have surgery repaired and things like that. So I took two weeks off of training. Then I went on vacation. On my, third vaca- on my third week, I went vacation to the mountains. I started working out again. That was the first time I started working out or doing anything. Because even when I ran, it would hurt because of the arm action. If I jogged, the jerking would hurt, uh, even hurt it. So I, d- I, I, just, I did a lot to, to, for therapy. And by that third week, man, I started to feel great. That fourth week, I jumped right back in. Trained one day, see what happened. And then so two weeks, I just kind of eased myself in. I don't know. I practiced four times. Went into that new tournament, like I said. So at that point, I have barely any practices under my belt. My knees fucking pop from nogi. My conditioning shit. It's not shit, but it, for my standard, it was shit. But I had to be mind strong. I had to be mind strong. And I'm always preaching to my son about... Staying strong, staying strong, stay the course, get comfortable being uncomfortable. And that's what I did. I went in there, 
I attacked. I did the best I could to my ability. Worked my way up through two guys, got to the finals, and fought a guy that was very solid. Extremely good track record in competition. Trains a lot. Eric Raposo competes a lot, wins a lot. Hell, I think a month before this tournament, he had just won the Worlds up in Vegas. So, mad props to him. I've been having my eye on him. He's about an hour and a half away from my area. So, training with him is something I could do every once in a while. But I've been watching him. And so, when I knew I had to go against him, I knew that it was going to be a great battle. And I was so excited. This is That's who I wanted to fight. You know, being in the finals is great, but... Just regardless, I wanted to fight him because I knew he was the best, you know. So, I had that opportunity and coulda, shoulda, woulda, and I lost. But I fought through adversity. And I have to remind myself, you got to find the good. You got to find the good. Because remember how I said my training partners were moving away? But those were my competition training partners. Those are the guys I look for for competition. And at some point, it just starts to all move on. And before you know it, your life becomes a blur. And one of those guys, his name is Heath Henry. He's a coach. He opened a KDN at Jiu-Jitsu. He told me last year, maybe even further back, you know, Jules, we can't always be together anymore. He's like, but it's up to us to show the new guys the way it is. And that conversation came from him and I talking and mainly me complaining because I'm fucking selfish about how I can't train anymore in the, in the mornings on our off days. Off days meaning not from class times. And getting in that good work, those good competition rounds and this and that. And he said, man, you know, it's up to us to train the new guys. And there's a new group of people coming through. And I guess it's, that's hard for a competitor to accept the fact that, you know, like, not that my time is passing, but it's time to help those others. And that's what I'm there for as a coach. And, and that's what I really start practicing on. And I started skipping out on certain tournaments I want to do and doing other tournaments that my students could go to so we could all go to together. And I built myself a good little competition group just out of my class. And I mentally trained those guys hard. I'm really hard on those guys and girls, but I tell them I do it out of love and I remind them on how much I'm proud of them. But I push them, I push them hard, you know, and I don't sugarcoat anything, but I do what I can to make them the best they can be. And by making them the best they can be, they'll make me better. So sometimes you're going to have to find the good in everything. I'm down on myself because I don't have my typical training partners. I'm down on myself because I don't have my typical training partners at my disposal when I want. I'm down on myself because I've had a few injuries back to back here and there. Down on myself because I'm not very good. Down on myself because I wish I was better. Down on myself because if people actually knew everything I've sacrificed 
to be where I'm at, it would be embarrassing to show that I have nothing to show for, for what I had to give up to be where I'm at. But you know what? So fucking be it. You have to find the good in it. I have a loving wife that does not watch me compete in jiu-jitsu. That does not like me training jiu-jitsu. But understands how important it is to me. And understands that we have a understanding that I'm not going to quit. And that I'm not going to stop competing. But I'll always put family first so I don't compete as much. And I try not to take off of work and make things difficult for the family for competing. I still compete with her blessing sometimes not said, but still understood. It's okay. I have a son who comes with me to all my fights, which is the greatest gift I've ever received. And I say that to you with everything it takes for me not to break down and cry. Because as much as I try not to push anything onto my children and for them to be who they want to be, he truly chooses to be with me. And on my last match, he actually started to wonder because of the way I was talking, I was having trouble warming up. He felt like my loss was his fault because he thought I couldn't warm up right. And I told him, buddy, if I need to warm up, I'll warm up. But don't you worry, us fighting together, I'd rather have you by my side, cold as ice, than hot as hell when you far away. So I look for the good of the fact that I have my son with me, which allows me to keep pushing forward. He gives me more power than I've ever had before as I look and I see his face on the sideline. All I can hear is my coach's voice and all I can see is my son's face. I'm lucky that I have my health. I'm lucky that I tore my arm and my lat and repaired that shit in three weeks and was able to come back and compete again with no injury to my arm and lat. I'm thankful for the fact that I have the opportunity to coach at my school, Gladiators Academy. I'm thankful for the fact that I can help others achieve what they thought was never possible through jiu-jitsu. The virtues that you develop being beat on on that mat is priceless to where they apply in the real world. You have to find the good things. You have to find the good things. If you wake up and your tires flat in your car, you got to be thankful you have a tire. I say that because I've been struggling with a tire that's been going flat on my lawnmower. And yesterday I was going to cut grass and the tire was so flat, I just had to take it off the rim. But I was thankful enough that I had an old tire. Even though it took me some time, I was able to get the old tire onto the new rim and put that back on my mower and cut my grass. I'm thankful for having that mower. 
I'm thankful for a lot of things. And it's not just things that money brings. I'm thankful for the life that God has given me. And because of that, it's up to me to cherish that life and make it as best as possible. Not just for myself, even though I owe it to myself, but for my family and my children and my wife. Look for the good. Okay? I'd like to thank my sponsor, Captain Kobe's Cajun Seasoning. And C. Ray Mace's. And... Sherman and Brandt Law Offices. Because of them, all this is possible with my podcast, their donations, and their sponsorships allow me to keep making these posts, keep up my Art of Grappling channel on YouTube. Please subscribe. Keeps up my YouTube channel on Strength and Conditioning, which is Outperform Training Academy, which is also on YouTube, two separate channels. You can also find me on Instagram, Outperform Training Academy, and on Facebook. All right. Thank you all for tuning in. Y'all have a great day. And I will see y'all on the next podcast where I will discuss the weight loss protocols that I use for cutting weight for competition.